This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, I'd like to talk about something a little bit different, and that is the idea of emotions and logic and how Jesus used them and how our general authorities in the LDS Church use them and also about how we use them and perhaps how we ought to use them in our lives. Some years ago, I subscribed to a scholarly website that would allow me access to hundreds of thousands of articles on all kinds of different academic subjects. And one day, I got the idea to to see if I could figure out the ratio of articles and studies that had been done in the hard sciences on logical disciplines like math, physics, statistics, and so forth, compared with those that deal with emotions, love, hate, anger, security, contentment, happiness, and so forth. And it was quite telling. The vast majority of all of the scholarly articles that are out there don't deal with emotions. And I suppose there's some logic to that because they're so difficult to quantify. Most of the articles that deal with emotions talk about their impact rather than exactly what they are or how to quantify them. And those that deal with the hard sciences deal more with quantification and use, those, those kinds of things. So why would I bring this up? It's fascinating to me as I have again and again and again gone through the New Testament and read about the life of Jesus, and we'll be doing that soon, next year again, as a group, I've thought about the way Jesus has used logic and the way he has used emotions. Because you find some religious groups who think that God has no emotions. He has no body parts or passions. Passions meaning emotions. And yet anyone who sees Jesus through the lens of the New Testament stories that we have about his life and their impact on those that have read them since and those that live during the lifetime of Christ can easily see that Jesus had emotions. He displayed love and compassion. There were some times where he was angry, many times where he had sadness and even disgust that can be discerned. So how are we to use those? And what are the greatest goods that we can find? 
and by goods, I mean the greatest virtues that we can find. I can't think of anything that people enjoy or appreciate more in the world than the idea of love that can be shared in a family context. When you have a family that love each other and that care about each other and that overlook shortcomings and faults, that buoy one another up and help each other, you can love them with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we can find great solace and satisfaction doing that. There is nothing more important. What was the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us? It was to love God first and to love others. And by loving others, the greatest in that category would be the love that we find in a family. The feeling of security and constancy that a person gets from the love of a spouse or a parent or a child is one of the greatest blessings in life. That kind of love nurtures a person and sustains their faith in humanity and in God. That kind of love is a great resource of strength, and it helps cast out fear, as we read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that perfect love casteth out fear. That kind of deep abiding love is the desire of every human soul. I've interviewed many people who have had near-death experiences, who have come in contact with, who have met God or Jesus or a family member or someone else on the other side. And when they have the love of God and of Christ in that kind of a context, it is overwhelming in its breadth and depth and strength. Because love is the greatest commandment, it ought to be at the center of everything that we do in our families, in our church callings, at work, and in all other settings, friendships, and so forth. It is the fabric of our lives in the sense that it heals and repairs rifts and problems that people can have in family relationships. It's the bond that unites and binds people in an ever-growing fabric. Love is the power that helps friendships develop. It's something that fosters tolerance of things that we don't like. And by tolerance, I don't mean feeling that something is all right, but the ability to overlook problems, being tolerant of them, and loving someone nonetheless. The idea of civility, being civil and respectful to people, even those with whom we disagree, is a great quality and one that 
Jesus exercised often. It's the source that overcomes divisiveness, anger, hate, and differences of opinions. I have seen angry discussions sort of melt away when instead of trying to find the differences and the flaws in another's argument, people started to try to find the overlap of beliefs and of ideas. These kinds of concepts are at the heart of love. It's the thing that we should strive for. It is the greatest virtue, the greatest quality of God, and the greatest quality that we can all foster in ourselves. The greatest joys and greatest sorrows we experience are in family relationships. And I say greatest sorrows because when we have a loss or something that makes us sad, it is due to the great love we have at a loss. That's what love is. It's the joys that we get from putting the welfares of others above our own. And it's the idea that we serve others more than our own wants and desires. When we come back more about the greatest virtues, especially those espoused by Jesus Christ. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Stay tuned. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Today I thought I would talk a bit about the greatest virtues and how the greatest things in the world are not quantifiable. The greatest qualities and the things that we value the most, love and security and happiness, are all centered around the relationships that we have with God and family and some others, friends. When we think about how we can foster those things, it's great to look at Jesus and his earthly life, because there he was interacting with people as we do as another person, not as deity to those who are in mortality, but as a person to a person. His mission was initiated and happened out of love which God had for all of his children. We read in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. We could talk about the word begotten, but I'll leave that for another day. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe him would not perish, but live everlastingly, would have everlasting life. So the greatest mission in history was begun because of love. God sent Jesus 
into the world. And Jesus loved us so much that he came. If you remember the scriptures, you'll remember that on one occasion, the Pharisees, in their effort to ensnare Jesus, had one of them put up this question to him, which was, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the writings of the prophets. Close quote. You can find that in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 36. Now, what did he mean by on these two commandments, loving God and loving your fellow man, hang all the law and the prophets? The point here is that if you love God and love your fellow man, you probably don't even need these other commandments because you will naturally obey them. That might be one way of thinking of it. Another way might be that all of these other commandments are derived specifically from the ideas of love, and none of them would contradict that idea of love as the greatest good. Whenever we approach insurmountable problems in our lives, as we all do, there is always a great need for love to support us. Some have the love of friends. Some have the love of family. Some seek God. Some have all of these things, all of these kinds of love. Others have community. Others have friends. But the love, the quality of love that Jesus showed us is the same kind of love that we are told we are to share with others. And as a church, as people who follow Jesus, we are fortunate to be able to show love and to give service in a very specific and organized way. From time to time, I hear people sort of trash talk the idea of organized religion, that it's somehow outdated or that perhaps they've grown beyond it. But without an organization, and we have a wonderful organization with the LDS Church, without a great organization, it's harder to do as much good. One of the great comments that was made in a recent conference talk was about the service efforts around the world that the LDS Church has made. And it doesn't make these alone. Many of them are strictly through the LDS Church, but they're also coupled with organizations like Catholic Charitable Services and the Red Cross and other worthy organizations. Last year in 2021... The LDS Church spent close to a billion dollars in service to others without regard 
to their religious affiliation or complete lack of any, just because someone was in need. Another aspect of the LDS faith is that of missionary service, and that also ultimately is traced back to the idea of love for neighbors, love for others. It's out of love and concern for others that young people and older people go on missions to serve. It is out of love for others that people donate tithing and give offerings of time and service. The Relief Society was founded on that very principle. That is its core value to help others. There are countless thousands and thousands of hours that are spent by every Christian, whether they're a bishop or a state president or a home teacher, now ministers, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, young men, young women, whatever you're calling, all of those callings are essentially rooted in love for others, which is expressed in service. Close to the end of his ministry in life, Jesus was approaching what he knew was going to be his death. And when he was getting closer and closer, he gave this powerful statement that's very simple, found in John chapter 13, verse 34. He told his followers, love one another the same way that I have loved you. That was fascinating. He didn't say, now be very logical. He didn't say, now work hard. He didn't say, learn all kinds of things out of a textbook, all of which are great virtues, by the way. The greatest one, the one that he chose, was that idea of love. There are a couple of suggestions especially in a world like we have today, full of conflict and turmoil in election cycles and as we have polarizations and claims of racism or lack thereof. Here are a couple of thoughts rooted in the idea of love for our fellow human beings. The first one is to take the time to be complimentary whenever you can. Look for some attribute or act, even in people that you really don't like very much, and compliment them when you can out loud. But think of those positive qualities also in your heart about them, because if you see the good in them, you will not focus on the negative things or the differences. And second, be considerate and tolerant of others. Be sensitive, be encouraging, be uplifting. Try to help someone's confidence. Try to help someone feel good about themselves whenever you can. These are just some thoughts I have as I'm thinking about Jesus and his earthly ministry, and also about the great communications that we've had from church leaders in conference. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today.